you are listening to the Moody Girl podcast with me, Emily Fazer. I'll be opening the minds of experts, enthusiasts, and storytellers, discovering their secrets on health and how to make the most out of life. Hey guys, I just wanted to talk to you today about how I'm currently upping my water intake at the moment, as I found it so easy to forget to drink enough water when I'm out and about and I'm rushing around. So I was speaking to my friend and she told me to get a good water bottle and recommended the Camelback ED+. I've noticed since I got mine, I find it really easy to get my daily recommended water amount. I've tried other water bottles in the past, but for some reason the Camelback just makes water go down so much easier. It's something to do with the nozzle. It's some kind of magic, I'm honestly not sure, but it's great. If you're looking to up your water intake, you should follow the link in the show notes of this episode and get yours now. Okay. Let's get to the episode. Today I'm speaking with Tasha Bailey, also known as Real Talk Therapist, in the lead up to the release of her new book, Real Talk. Tasha is a qualified psychotherapist, award-winning content creator and writer, specialising in trauma, identity and creativity in therapy. Tasha also helps people to have real talk with themselves so they can heal and grow. If you are listening to the podcast and you're enjoying the content, I'd love it if you could give us a like, share, subscribe and give a five-star review. It really, really helps. Okay, let's get to the episode. So hi, Tasha. Thank you so much for being on the Moody Girl podcast with me today. How are you? I'm good like I feel like the sun is shining a little bit today but not too much <laughs> um, no I'm feeling good I'm feeling very like I've got quite a to do this but I'm feeling quite hopeful about it <laughs> today mm, that's a good way to be absolutely <laughs> how are you doing how are you feeling yeah I'm all good I mean I'm in Suffolk so an hour outside London um, and it's definitely not sunny here so I'm wishing that I'm in London right now <laughs> Uh, I hope the sun will come your way. Yeah, exactly. Push it this way, please. <laughs> um, so for anyone that doesn't know you, um, you know, I came across your work through TikTok, through Instagram. Your social media presence is really evident. It's really strong and you've got such a positive message with your work, which I think shines through for so many people. Um, so, yeah, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know of your work, can you give us a little bit of an understanding on what you do? Okay. So I'm Tasha, also known as realtalk.therapist on all social platforms. Um, And I'm a qualified psychotherapist um, and I love what I do, but I also am very aware that a lot of people can't afford therapy or can't get the therapist that they need. So um, for the last three years, I've had my realtalk.therapist platform on Instagram and TikTok, which it's giving people the tools that they need to maybe start doing the work for themselves and recognizing, I guess, some of the, some of the kind of ways that they need to do some healing work or self-love work or understanding where trauma has showed up in their lives. But in a really, you know, mental health can be quite scary to talk about sometimes, but I'm all about kind of finding ways to talk about that's kind of light and accessible and real and authentic and maybe a little bit joyful and hopeful. Like I want it to be compassionate and hopeful. So that's kind of where Real Talk Therapist has been born. Mm. Um, 
and you know it's kind of spread into different things like talks and books and stuff like that so yes that's amazing I think that's um you know I was going to ask you that question anyway because you know I've spoken to a lot of different people on the shows and I've spoken to therapists as well um and that's always something that I think about is, you know, with the current situation that we're, we all seem to find ourselves in with, you know, costs of fuel, costs of living, all of it, it's so expensive um, that it seems like we're all just trying to tread water and get by at the moment. So sometimes therapy, something such as therapy can seem like such a luxury um, and people really need it. It's something that we really need as human beings and to process traumas and past experiences. So I think the fact that you are opening that into social media is such an important part of that. Um, and I mean, even with friends recently who've gone through really nasty breakups and can't quite haven't quite found the right therapist, number one, because I know it's like a bit like dating to find your therapist. You've got to have like that mutual understanding. Um but they've found a lot of solace in social media platforms and listening to podca podcasts and TikTok and Instagram. So I think that is such an important message for any listeners out there. If you are feeling like you need to do the work or you want to do the work, then, you know, Tash is out there on uh, social media giving you some of those tools. So thank you for that. Um, so you mentioned your book um, and I can see that it's available to pre-order right now. Um, it's called Real Talk out in September. What can we expect from this new release from you? So it is a book full of kind of therapy lessons um, to kind of help you on the journey of like self-love and healing. Um, so I unpack a lot of things that you, you would unpack in a therapy session with, ther with a therapist. Um, it's things like, you know, starting to look at your childhood and if you have mom, what we call mommy and daddy issues um your attachment body image sex um identity race like it's kind of like this kind of introduction into unpacking those things for yourself and there's lots of creative exercises so it's not just like reading a heavy text like it's actually very lightly written um but there's lots of great exercises for you to do some deeper work within yourself as well and lots of tools and tips um so it's kind of like yeah if you're in the i mean wherever you are in your healing st healing stage like it's kind of giving you the tools to kind of go into the further the next step of that mm -hmm. absolutely i think that sounds incredible um and for anyone listening who thinks that might be useful for them i'm going to make sure that i put all of the pre-order links in the show so you can get those straight after um yeah i think i've been reading a few books recently which have had those exercises in them and you know just taking it chapter by chapter and doing those exercises rather than just kind of reading it cover to cover has been really cathartic actually and it's helped me to kind of address certain areas that maybe I didn't know needed addressing um and kind of on the discussion of inner child work that's definitely something I've been looking into myself um and yeah I guess releasing some things that I didn't even realize needed to be released and so for anyone I guess who is in adulthood now and things are showing up for them and that might be anger that might be frustration that might be anxiety do you think 
these are stemming from past traumas or you know does it all does it all go back to our inner child essentially I would say maybe not always but there there does tend to be some kind of road that leads back to our past so even things like if you're at work and there's someone that really irritates you and you can't figure out why this person irritates you so much um it's usually because there's something about that person that either reminds you of a part of yourself that you don't like Mm. or you've been told not to be or they remind you of someone or something from your past Mm-hmm. So there's all this kind of like shadow dynamic happening with everything that we do yes you might be frustrated with them because they took your state plan that's valid as well but there's also probably a shadow dynamic also happening that we need to look at and understand um and the reason why we need to look at that and understand that is because then we can unpack it and even though it will still be annoying that they take your state plan it won't be as intense mm. so it is really important to kind of find where does the where does the feeling start where did it start from mm-hmm. uh, same thing with like dating and stuff we can find ourselves dating the same people with the same issues coming up because we our brain is finds it really familiar to be with those people maybe they're emotionally unavailable and maybe we had emotionally unavailable parents so it's actually very familiar for us to then be in that role of being with an emotionally unavailable person mm-hmm. um, it's not always conscious but I think the more work that we do, the more conscious this stuff becomes and the more we can start to like, you know, break out of those patterns. Mm. Yeah, I, I see that. Absolutely. And like even if I relate it to my own life, my friend's lives, it you without realizing it sometimes, you know, I'm a millennial and 33 and I very much look back on my life and see patterns, you know. And it's only now when I'm starting to really address those and really delve deep into why I might feel such an extreme hang of anger when someone takes my stapler, for instance. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, where is that coming from? Um, so you mentioned shadow dynamic. What is that? I'm not, I'm not aware of what that is. So the shadow dynamic is, if you imagine like the way that you've grown up, um there there will always be things that people told you not to be so they might say don't be so loud or don't be so chatty in class or um even things like don't wear colorful there'll be loads of things that people will try to kind of project onto you and put expectations onto you and all of those things we will basically like put into our shadow so our shadow is kind of like this this cupboard that we put all this stuff in. Okay, I'm not allowed to be too loud. Let me put that in the cupboard and I'll just make myself small. Um, I'm not allowed to be to show show too much skin. Let me put that in the cupboard and then put myself put wear jumpers all day. You know, it's all the things that we're not allowed to be, we lock into this cupboard. But it's not like those things go away. They actually still exist in part somewhere in our minds and they will come out in ways when we don't have con- our ego that have control over them. Mm. So when we find someone who takes our state plot and they're very loud in the, in the office, they're, they're going to irritate us because they can be how we're not allowed to be. They've mm. got the permission to be loud. We don't have the permission to be loud. And so there's this envy and jealousy. Um, or it might be that we are when we're drinking or when we're really tired we're more likely to be loud because we we can't control it now so there's little ways that our shadow will kind of seep out and I think you know it it our shadow should exist we should actually embrace our shadow we should allow ourselves to be loud and 
be all the things that t- people tell us not to be, like at least to some degree, because it's a part of who we are. We can't just choose what parts of our personality can exist and can't exist. Mm. So, um, our shadow, if we don't embrace it, it will control us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow, that's really interesting. And I think a lot of people will identify with that, you know, in terms of, I think I've spoken about this quite quite often on the show, even school, for instance, you know, just like, having that environment where you have to put your hand up to go to the toilet and you can't listen to your intuitions. And that's just kind of how we have been bred in society to live. So yeah, that's really interesting and something I'm going to look into more. Um, So is this, I know you've written your book. um, How have you found the whole process, you know, in terms of writing that? And it's, it's a huge thing. And I'm sure so many people would dream of doing something like that. So can you talk us through how you found that? Um, <laughs> I would say it's not as dreamy as I thought it would be. <laughs> I pictured it to be like, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to be like in a cabin somewhere and like with the view of the sea and just like writing like my best life. And it was absolutely nothing like that. It was actually many days of me on the sofa being like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is just too much. How the hell am I going to write 80,000 words? Like just let me just walk out now um it was it was really grueling like there's parts that I loved but there were parts that were really grueling um I told like when I got my book deal they asked me how long do you want to write the book and I said nine months because I thought you know it's like a baby so (laughs) like nine months (laughs) like a good time Um, and I kind of wish I'd asked for more time actually because it took me a long time to get started um Mm. I'm someone that I ponder over so many ideas all of the time and it's like okay great that's wonderful Tasha but can we put it onto paper like make it happen and I think an interesting thing is because obviously I'm online I'm on social media and a lot of my content is short captions and reels and stuff it was really a strange thing to start to do long write a whole chapter about a topic that I normally would write in a carousel of like 10 mm. 10 slides so it was, it was quite an adjustment there were definitely like parts that I loved um I found myself being like okay let me write what younger Tasha needed to read or um let me see this as, as like a love letter to my clients or the clients that I no longer see and they now have this tool that they can use forever mm. um and that really helped to kind of ground me and bring me back to why am I doing this and and actually I am capable of doing this as well Mm. the thing is even though it was grueling I definitely would do do it again and again and I have so many book ideas so this won't be the first one okay great (laughs) (laughs) Um, we're all looking forward to reading it absolutely um so you know you've explained a little bit about your work about your upcoming book that's coming out but what about your backstory how did you end up you know working as a psychotherapist training as a psychotherapist um you know what was your child like childhood like leading up to this so oh where do I start so I would say when I trained to be a psychotherapist I was actually the youngest in my class that wow. um, yeah the youngest in the class um it's really it's a really strange career because a lot of people they do it like later on in life, like maybe they were a teacher first or a nurse or social worker. And then they're like, oh, actually, I want to be a therapist. Um, You know, that their work experience leads them into that path. Whereas I knew I wanted to be a therapist from the age of about 15. 
um, Wow. which is really, really strangely unusual. Um, I grew up with mental health in my household from a very young age. So I always observed kind of the extremes of mental health. Um, and that I think that gave me like this curiosity about, you know, what is mental health? What, what, how does it look like? What are the different what was a spectrum of mental health how do I help like I also then was impacted as well as a family member um and I guess from there I said actually I, I really want to work with helping people talk about mental health and specifically at the time I want to help children talk about mental health wow um so when I was 15 and also I watched this film on Nickelodeon called Harriet the Spy. Oh my God, I love that film. Yes, love that film. And there's a part when her parents sent her to a child psychotherapist and he had like all these games and toys in his office. He was a bit of a boring guy, but you know, whatever. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to do that job. And then that's where the, the journey started. So I obviously went to uni and then I took on my psychotherapy training to work with children and adolescents and absolutely loved it um and thought I'm never ever going to work with adults I don't want to do that and then I ended up loving working with adults as well so you know I feel like every adult has an inner child and a lot of us all, all our stories start in childhood anyway that's where we pick up our most difficult patterns and you know our our learnings about love and how safe we are like that's where we learn all that big stuff and so mm-hmm. it makes sense that, you know, even though I'm, I've trained to work with children and adolescents, I, we all have it in a child and adolescent inside of us anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how it started. It was like, I think probably me seeing mental health in my family impacted me, but I didn't have the support that I needed and my family didn't have the support that they needed. And so it led me into like, I want to support people in some way when this happens. Mm. I mean, that's, incredible that you got into it so young like 15 when you watched that film um it's just insane also one of my all-time favorite films I can't believe you've mentioned that (laughs) 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 it really is the soundtrack is fantastic um so I yeah I mean I have to agree as well with what you just said about the fact that everyone you know there's so many situations now where I've been working with my inner child and I see it in conversations with other people now, you know, whether it's family, colleagues, friends, whatever, I'll be like, that's their inner child coming out, you know, and I, and I kind of see it with myself as well. Um, so yeah. Um, I, I really love when that happens, you know, when you, you know, maybe you're having a conflict with somebody like, like a parent, for example, or a friend, and then you're, you get a kind of glimpse of what's happening for their inner child. Mm. And that can be quite confronting because it's like, oh, crap, like your, your inner child is hurting and it gives, I don't know, it gives you like that, that compassion yes. when, when there's conflict, we're thinking about ourselves, but actually it's that compassion of like, oh my inner child's hurting and their inner child's hurting like how can our inner child's like both get their needs met like what does that look like I think mm. I don't, it's, a, it's a really beautiful moment when we can do that absolutely and I think like if you can do that then yeah it just alleviates so much conflict rather than seeing us as like completely adult and you're doing that to hurt my feelings and blah 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 blah. Mm. um awesome um so I know you talk a lot about self-love um, and it's a topic that is very much prominent in, you know, the common, uh, in, you know, modern day society now all about, you know, self-care, self-love, 
Um, but what would you even describe like proper self love as? Mm-hmm. I would call it more uh, of I think we we speak about it as like either you have it or you don't. Mm. <laughs> um, but I don't think it's that easy. I think it's more of a practice. I think we can dip in and out of self love with ourselves. Okay. I think that there are some parts of ourselves that might be easier to love than others. Um, so I would say it's kind of a practice. It's a, it's a work. It's something that we have to keep always working on and facing and confronting. Um, it's how we like care for ourselves with compassion and love and kindness, but also how we give ourselves tough love as well and, and guidance and boundaries. It's for me, self-love is a lot about if I was a parent to myself, how do I give myself that love? Mm. Um, how do I teach myself? How do I grow myself? How do I, you know, accept every single part of me, even the parts that I usually don't like? How do mm. I face those bits? Yeah. To cut them off. Um, so, yeah. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Cytoplan, a unique science-based supplement company with many years of experience in nutritional science and whose emphasis is on quality of product. My medical herbalist swears by them as they don't use any unnecessary bulking agents. Before I found out about Cytoplan, I was taking up to eight supplements a day, all with bulking agents in them. It was such a relief to find out Cytoplan products are extremely pure. I now use them daily and I would recommend them to anyone looking for quality vitamins and supplements. They have a great range for many different health benefits. So if you'd like to find out more, please follow the link in the bio of this episode and check out Cytoplan. You won't regret it. And for yourself, have you ever, I know obviously you're a therapist, you're fully trained, but do you ever have moments where you need to check in with your own mental health um, and your own self-love and, you know, how, how do you manage that? Yeah, a hundred percent, like all all of the time, like it doesn't stop even when you're trained. And I think if anything, I have to be even more on top of it. Um, because obviously I, I, I absolutely like adore my clients. I look after my, like our work together, but I also need to make sure that I'm sound and that I'm grounded as well. Um, like even on social media as well, like obviously I speak to a lot of people, but one thing that I do social media is I always do a check-in on my um stories. Like I, a couple of times a week, I say, how's everybody feeling? And we do like a little poll. Mm-hmm. I always respond to those polls myself as well. So That's it's not so just like, but it's like, I'm, I was like, okay, I'm feeling this. Like it's mm-hmm. a way of like, make sure that we all check in together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like absolutely. Like I think, like I said, self-love, it, you can kind of fall in and out of love with yourself, I think. And mm-hmm. so it's about when those moments happen for me, finding a way to bring myself back you know with the book there was definitely a lot of moments where I literally fell out of love with myself of like oh my god this is crap <laughs> you're crap you're a crap therapist you're like everything is just crap and then I had to be like okay no let, let's let's rein it in that's a that's a coping mechanism somewhere so let's bring it back in <laughs> yeah doing that you actually enjoy and you love and you appreciate mm. about yourself mm. so, it's yeah. funny isn't it how sometimes when you know, we do the things that we have always dreamed of doing, but then in those mom- moments, we have such resistance. So like self- self-deprecating thoughts and all of these things come out and it's it's so, uh, it's almost like you're ambushed. You're like, where the hell is this coming from? You know? <laughs> and I think 
that's, that's the power of fear, isn't it? It's the fear <laughs> of like, oh my God, what if I get the thing that I actually dreamed of or yes. get it and then I fail at it or mm. what if people shame me for it? Like there's a fear of like, yeah, how big this thing is, mm. how much we want it for ourselves, but what if it disappoints us in some way? Absolutely. And it's, I mean, even, you know, lot, lots of discussions I'm having are all about authentic living and trying to get back to our authentic code and authentic personalities and who we once were as children. Um but also when you really, it's so, um, you're really vulnerable in that way. You kind of strip all those layers back and you're kind of out for the world and you're like, okay, I'm doing what I'm loving and I'm telling people what I love, but also like, again, what if I fail or is it going to be embarrassing if it doesn't go right? So, and I think for any listeners at home, if you're experiencing that, if you found something that you're really passionate about and you're putting yourself out there, keep going. There will be, you know, times where, you'll have some self-deprecating thoughts, um, but you can get through them. And I mean, even Tasha, you know, you've got a huge following, you've written an amazing book um, and you're a therapist and you have them. So we're all human. We have these thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to go into a little bit on um, roles that we have in the family and how those also affect us in adulthood as well. And, and how we learn to grieve certain situations. Um, so for instance, you know, I have always been somebody in my family who's very much like the helper. I like to get, you know, help people and help them to feel better. And, you know, if my sister was ever upset or, you know, just trying to be a bit of a fixer. Um, and I've been delving more into into this kind of concept really and and how it can be quite a lot of a weight to bear sometimes. Um, and, you know, the kind of level of expectations that are put on us with these certain roles in the family. So, for instance, you know, the eldest male in the family sometimes will be the one who has to, you know, keep everything running a tight ship and you're the eldest, you need to be sensible, don't cry, you know. All of these things I've been kind of researching and thinking about and, I mean, do you ever have it with any of your clients where that very much is still part of them in adulthood and and that's something they have to work on? Absolutely. Like, I I think a lot of these family roles, you know, it's our our family is our first experience of relationships, our first experience of like our personality and working out who we are. So those patterns follow us into our friendships, into our workspaces, into our relationships. Um, just so, for example, like I, I find it a lot where kind of similar to what you're saying, the eldest daughter, especially in particular cultures, um, is like the second, the third parent mm-hmm. or has like these very mm-hmm. big parental responsibilities of taking care of everybody and being the one that everyone can lean on and practically practically being very providing um and then that will follow them into their friendships and that they'll follow them into their relationships and then they'll follow them into their their work whether that the the office mum or you know it follows them into certain different ways and then they still feel that pressure mm. um like a a great example of this is um have you watched en- um Encant- what's it called Encanto is it called? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know exactly yeah. the one. Yeah. Um, and there's a sister that's like 
quite tall and she's strong and everybody leans on her like the whole family lean on her the whole community leans on her and there's a song where she's just like oh my gosh like <laughs> please send help I am struggling by having to hold everybody's weight mm. um, and that's what happens to a lot of people that you know these patterns have kind of followed them through and eventually at some point it will really like you know they'll really struggle with it because it's been years of having to hold people but who's holding them mm. Absolutely. And do you think that comes down to boundaries then? So setting boundaries in certain situations and still being able to help in some ways, but also being like, you know what, I've done my piece. They've got their life. I've got my life. I'm going to take a breather, actually. Yeah, it's definitely like boundaries, but it's also the understanding of. So boundaries are the solution. But before that, I think think it's the understanding that I can't be. I can't do everything for everyone. I It's not my responsibility. It's not who I am as a person. There's more about me as a person than what I can do for other people. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can just be, I can just be and be myself and be loved. I don't have to do for everybody to be loved, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's always breaking down that mentality that I need to be of service and provide to people in order to be loved and lovable. Mm. Um, that will that that mentality stops people from setting boundaries to begin with or even think about you know when they think about boundaries they think of guilt it goes mm-hmm. into the feeling of guilt mm-hmm. um, so you have to kind of break down that cycle first okay great um I was also going to mention an article that I read and um, that you were featured in and I mean, everything you kind of read or see on social media is about how we keep ourselves well, wellness tips, and there's so many fads out there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I myself have been through so many fads. I've tried pretty much open to trying anything to try and feel the best version of myself. Um, What would be your top five tips to help keep a check on your mental health and to keep overall well? Mm-hmm. okay I'm gonna see if I've got like five exactly um, <laughs> doesn't matter if it's not if not five <laughs> just your top tip let's see that okay. <laughs> um my first one will be to get honest you know to have the real talk it's the uh, we do a lot of hi like how are you I'm fine or I'm all right I'm good like these are not feeling words they're just they're just words of states they're not actually how you actually feel so kind of really get comfortable with actually being real with what you're feeling it might not be with every single person you know but at least with your close circle of one or two people you actually choose a feeling word when people say how are you Mm. and if I guess I'll go to the second tip if you don't know your feeling words then it's time to learn them um you can literally google emotion will and you'll get a, a wheel full of loads of emotions um and, that, and also a great book is Brené Brown, Atlas of the Heart, which teaches you about the different emotions that we can all have as humans. So really kind of educate yourself on what emotions are and like practice, you know, checking in with yourself a bit more and learning what is what and what it feels like. When you're sad, what does it feel like? When you're angry, what does it feel like? When you're happy, what does that feel like? It will feel different to, to a lot of people, but there'll be certain things that are common. So that's two. The third thing is, when we think about wellness I guess like yeah there's there's so many trends and they're constantly changing and they're all they're also a lot about doing 
So do meditation, do journaling, do a walk, do this smoothie thing, like detox. Do, there's a lot of doing, but actually just be. <laughs> like we need equal time to do things, but also to be. And by that, I mean, you need process time. You need time to like sit with your feelings, to sit with yourself, to just, you know, have a conversation with yourself um allowing space because it's all great having a you know a full wellness schedule but if there's no space to actually process what you're feeling it's actually quite useless mm. so I'd say that um and then the, I'll say I'll go for the fourth one it's just gone up my mind oh the fourth one is kind of about the body um and this is kind of more about healing a lot of time when we think about healing or trauma or working on ourselves we think about the mental process we think about having the difficult conversations with ourselves or unpacking this or going to therapy and all that stuff but we have to do it in combination with our body otherwise it's it's I mean it, it, it still will be work but it's when you combine it with your body you're actually you know allowing more possibilities for your healing to happen and to grow mm-hmm. so um things like obviously like yoga and um being in nature and just caring for your body they will kind of teach you what safety is so trauma is the opposite of safety if that makes sense if we've experienced Mm -hmm. trauma we've had experience where we didn't feel safe we didn't feel cared for we didn't feel protected and so our body will feel that but when we're in healing we're in a place of safety Mm -hmm. they're doing things that feel safe that feel good that feel um affirming for our body and for us will also help with our healing work if that hopefully that makes sense yeah no that really does I think definitely I've been guilty of doing you know putting such tight regime on wellness in the past um and also you know doing a lot of like deep subconscious meditations like really kind of going back to inner child work um and then wondering why the next week why I might be a bit ratty or you know why it's maybe brought up a little bit of anxiety in the chest and Mm. not and being like oh god it must be me like but actually just even you saying that is really affirmed for me that I need to probably do give myself more space after doing something such as you know subconscious mind work or really kind of unpacking some stuff and so I've taken a lot from those tips thank you and I hope you as listeners have as well um and actually, just that reminds me of a fifth one. Okay, great. Here we go. Because <laughs> um, you said there about the about inner child work. So inner child work is also like, there's inner child work, but there's also inner child play. Ah. I'm going to do both. Okay, great. So, yes, delve into your childhood and work through all your old patterns and stuff. But also like ask your inner child, what do you want to do today? Like what would be fun for you? uh what things you wish you could do when you were a kid that we can do today like what things you scared of before that we can face like I used to be terrified of roller skating when I was a kid I just thought oh my god like I don't want to fall flat on my bum and be so embarrassed and I'm never doing that as terrified and then so I last year I did roller skating classes and the first thing that happened was I fell on my bum and it was absolutely okay and that was so healing for me so Mm. you know let there be in a child work but also in a child play as well 
Love, love, love that. That is the best tip. After this, I think I'm going to ask my inner child what she wants to do today. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. That was really nice to hear. Um, so, yeah, something I wanted to touch on there was the language that we're using for ourselves. I think that's so important. You know, the amount of times that we're like, yeah, I'm fine. Or like, how are you? Or I'm feeling a bit anxious. Or like, are you feeling anxious? Or maybe is it something else? And and that's also a really important part of understanding our emotions and understanding, you know, how fluid they are, that it's just a, a moment in time and it will pass. Um, one thing I was going to ask you is, obviously, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, let's try and be happy and, you know, you want to be your best version of yourself and all of all of that. But what do you think about really sitting in and really feeling sadness and, you know, um, like being in the, the, I guess the, the negative emotions per se, like, do you think it's better to sit with those emotions or, you know, or just suppress them? How, how, what would be your advice surrounding that? Uh, it's always best to not suppress them. Like, <laughs> like that is great. Um, there was something that my clinical supervisor said to me recently. I think she said, um, people who weren't who weren't allowed to be with their feelings end up being scared of them. I think that's what mm. she said, and I think that's what happens when we suppress our feelings. It's like, oh no, 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 I can't be with that. It's too big. Mm-hmm. Oh no, sadness. Like no, get no. I don't want to be with that. Um, and. I can understand the fear. Like I think that obviously there's like two extremes. There's a suppressing emotions and then there's being with it to the point where the feeling is so heavy and it overcomes you. And that's Mm -hmm. what you're scared of. Yeah. It's about kind of finding that sweet spot in between, which is like, I can sit with my feelings and allow myself to, you know, express something, process something, but I also can go and, talk to somebody or ask for help or be with someone that's going to make me feel better than how I feel in this current moment mm-hmm. um I think it's about finding that sweet spot and the only way to find that sweet spot is to practice kind of going from the two between the two extremes and working out what feels right and what does it feel right if that makes sense yeah definitely um I was also going to talk to you about, I think on your website, I read it, about how you promote um, self-expression to your clients and how your kind of story stemmed from that, from you doing, was it poetry and art? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, would you recommend that everyone has a creative outlet? Absolutely. Like, and and obviously, like, creative could be anything. It's, it's obviously could be art and poetry, but it could also be, I don't know, um, painting your kitchen, you know, it's <laughs> creativity comes in different forms. Yeah. Um, or it could also be, if you don't feel like you're a creative person, I say that in inverted commas, because we all are creative beings. If you feel stuck in that, it could be that you go look for creativity. So you could go to museums or go on a walk or kind of find inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I love creativity and self-expression is that our ego gets in the way a lot of the time with our healing. Our ego is a part that says, oh, no, I don't want to feel that feeling. That's too big. Or um, I'm being silly for even 
focusing on this part of my journey or I'm being silly for feeling this sad or whatever like whereas actually when you're creative use creativity creativity or expression it kind of says your ego okay dude like step to the side we're gonna like we're gonna unpack this in a way that is a bit more indirect we're gonna ease you into this it's not gonna be too scary and stuff it might come up that you didn't realize would come up Mm. um so I, I love creativity for that 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 way it's kind of the playfulness is really helpful yeah I agree with that as well and I think I did an episode previously just about kind of tapping into I don't know I've been thinking so much a lot of myself and fr- my friends especially women who mm. are surrounded by men with hobbies and it's like oh I don't have a hobby or you know because we've spent most of our childhood or adolescence or whatever going to the pub and trying to fit in and blend in or whatever and now I'm like oh you know now is the time to reconnect with you know I guess as you were saying rather than the the inner child work the inner child play um, mm-hmm. and what did we used to enjoy as a child and can we continue it into adulthood as well mm-hmm. um, so yeah that I thought that was really cool mm-hmm. um, so I you've already mentioned about um you know the fact that for anyone who does want to do therapy and they haven't got enough money you know the best sort of tools right now would be social media would you agree I would say social media but with caution yeah agree. Uh, so make sure <laughs> following um I mean advocates can be great as well but I think you know if you can follow actual um mental health experts qualified people yeah resonate with you like not every therapist online is going to resonate you might you might see my content and be like actually that's not really for me and that's okay but find find whoever does resonate for you um so I think yeah that could be really helpful and because you'll find things like journal prompts or information or a community that you connect connect with so there's that and also books I think there's so many great books out there um obviously like mine but also there's so many others where where they have creative exercises or yeah they might just kind of validate your story a little bit and that might be really helpful mm-hmm. um yeah those are probably the my two and podcasts as well like this are awesome so yeah right yeah I I agree I think it's it, I feel like it's a positive time in in self-development right now because so many people are opening up those discussions and whether it's literature whether it's podcasts as you say whether it's social media um I mean for you how how do you find your kind of boundaries with using social media and protecting your own mental health um it's interesting I was I was asked this question yesterday at a talk um and it's an interesting one because I I so as a therapist I probably share more than what most therapists do because a lot of therapists aren't on social media mm-hmm. um, but also in general I probably share more than what I do, would a traditional therapist not to say that I bear my soul to my clients but it's just that I feel personally how can I expect my client to connect with me if I'm not bringing a little part of myself Mm. um and so that's how I am that's how I show up on social media so for example I might on my stories I might say hey guys I'm going through this experience and it won't be you know the details of my argument with my partner or something but it'll be like 
I'm going through this particular phase in my life and it's a bit stressful. Like the other day I was saying, you know, fi- the financial stress is really on my mind right now. And yeah. is anybody else feeling that? And that will create a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I kind of bring a little bit of myself, but then I use it as a talking point for everybody else to bring up yeah. what's for them. So it's not really about me, mm-hmm. but I am being authentic at the same time. Yeah. My boundary, it's like, I can share what I want to share, but I don't necessarily want it to be about me. I want it to be a talking point. Mm. Um, that, you know, my all my stuff that goes to the people in my circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I, I can navigate that boundary. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy way of approaching it. Um, and also I saw those stories and definitely answered. And it was quite, there was, it was, if I, if I remember correctly, like so many people, are feeling that financial stress at the moment um and I've been thinking about that a lot as well like people are probably stuck in positions that they really don't want to be in but they're terrified to make a change because of the financial state of the the country at the moment so it's you know and and I don't want this to be doom and gloom on the country or you know but it's just it's just the reality that we currently find ourselves in so love to anyone else out there going through it um we feel you on that um so yeah, I think it was like something like 87%. Yeah, what? They felt it's... stressed about money. And I was just like, wow, that's a lot of us. <laughs> it's, it's mental. It really is. And also, I don't know, when I saw it, 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 I guess it gave me a feeling of solidarity that, you know, when you're going down to the corner shop to buy something and, you know, although we may not be connected in terms of having a chat with that person, everyone's going through it. Everyone's got their own things on their mind. Um you know, that they're trying to deal with each day. And a lot of that, 87% of that on your story is probably partly due to financial stress. So, yeah. Um, So we're getting to the end of the show now. And obviously you've got your incredible new book out in September. Um, So where exactly can they buy it? I'm going to put the link anyway, but if you just let us know, that would be awesome. So it's available everywhere. <laughs> it's available on Amazon, wherever you are. Um, WH Smith, Waterstones, Barnes and Nobles, Audible, uh, Kindle, Kobo. and from the 28th of september but if you pre-order you might get a little bit early Um, and i'm also hoping to kind of run some competitions for the people that have pre-ordered as well so um yeah please do pre-order it it always helps a new author when there's pre-orders and you know it's a nice treat for you to get early as well absolutely so to finish on, um, would you mind sharing us a sneak peek of your book? Just a little excerpt that you can read out for, for all of us listeners uh, today. I'd love to. Do you want to heal from your past and learn how to cope with the challenges of your present? Then it's time for some real talk. Taking therapy out of the therapy room and into the real world, psychotherapist and creator of realtalk.therapist Tasha Bailey connects psychological theory and lived experience with creative exercises and prompts to show a more modern and inclusive perspective on mental health. Drawing on her years of experience and case studies from her work, she unlocks topics such as trauma and inner child healing, how to stop people pleasing, love, trust and attachment, challenging your inner critic, self-love, 
body image and sex. And if you're feeling stuck, Real Talk will help you take the first steps towards growth and healing. Straight talking yet compassionate, Tasha helps to make sense of your past, to understand your present, cope in the hard times and start your journey to loving yourself the way you always deserved incredible i am so excited that we've had you on the show today i feel so lucky that you've spent you know your saturday speaking with us today so thank you so so much tasha i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me i've loved it (laughs) um well yeah have a lovely afternoon and thanks so much from myself and the moody girl listeners bye I feel so grateful to have been able to speak with Tasha on today's show. I feel she's made me think more about bringing the fun back into my own healing journey. Life is so serious enough without putting more pressures on ourselves to heal. Let's have some fun with it. If you'd like to pre-order Tasha's book, Real Talk, the link is in the bio of this episode. You can also follow her on socials at realtalk.therapist. As always, you can keep up with what I'm up to at Moody Girl Official. Thanks so much.